Hey guys, I'm your host Smita Gunturi and welcome to the Jenny podcast, your weekly podcast on transformational journeys. Hope you guys enjoy. Interview with Mary Beth is more than a story. It's the change that she fought for the society. To my request, she graciously accepted to explain the full detail of her work, which I tried to cover in a couple of episodes. So please tune in to learn more. Thank you. This was about that criminal justice and child protection services response. We really wanted to make sure that our incredible law enforcement that were responding to many of these disclosures weren't the ones um, interviewing the kiddos. They're not trained in it. And in these small towns, it's not like even though child sexual assault is happening every day, we're not getting disclosures and reports every day. So it's not happening or they're not handling cases enough to stay up on those things. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure that they were just getting the basic information they needed and then passing it on to someone who was trained. So that was really important. I've had the pleasure and the honor of training a lot of law enforcement on minimal facts interviewing is what we call it. So they're not feeling like they have to interview the children. Um, I have here, like I have heard are like seeing parents though the kids go up to them and explain like in whatever the way that they can explain the words they can collect and explain the parent like yeah this is what happened to me i have heard there are a lot of parents who don't want to talk about it at all they don't want to deal with it at all that might be like a family pressure that they think around or that might be thinking as you just mentioned they don't know how to deal with it at all or they don't know what to do with the kid afterwards whatever the reason could be, they don't want to talk about it at all. So in those kind of situations, what, what would be your suggestion to those parents? Yeah, that is one of the hardest things that I have found. You know, I've been supporting families, you know, through social media. Um, you know, if they have questions, they reach out to me on a few of my pages. And it's so sad how often that happens Because, I mean, you have no idea. If I hadn't had, like I said, if I hadn't had, by the grace of God, the wisdom to not ask questions, I could have completely messed up our case. Um, If I didn't know enough about law enforcement to know that you don't dig into details, I mean, I could have messed it up, you know? It's just not about, like, you not having the information, even if the kid is giving you enough information to understand about it. Yeah. In your case, for example, like it's your own family member. You don't want to destroy your family is one thing that I have heard from parents. I don't want to destroy my family and my family is not that kind of a person. You might be delusional or like you might be saying a lie. What do you say for that kind of responses? So the best thing I can tell someone is I understand. I've been a single mom. It's hard. (laughs) It is so hard. Being a single parent can be a nightmare at times, but the effects of child sexual assault on your kiddo will last far beyond that discomfort that you are going to feel knowing that you have to break up that family or knowing that you have to turn in someone. You know, my kids are doing exceptionally well now. Uh, because I did do the right thing. I did, you know, turn him into the police. 
if I hadn't done that, um, I don't think they'd be doing that well. And, but I get it. Like when I called the police on my brother-in-law, I was immediately pretty much ostracized from my family, uh, my in-laws. You know, my sister-in-law said, I can't believe you. Why didn't you just, you know, come talk to us about it? We could have just kept it quiet. He would have quit. He wouldn't have quit. That's not what they do. Not to keep quiet there. I know. Um, it, it pretty much over the next five years, probably, um, it got so bad that like, I remember my sister-in-law even called the police on me one night because she called this family meeting to talk about this for the millionth time. And I am not, I'm not one of those explosive people. Like I don't just react, you know, thankfully. Um, and she, uh, so I went and I was just going to listen. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to listen. She's in a horrible spot. Her husband's in prison. She's raising her little boy alone. I get it. I'm just going to listen. And I'm going to let her know that it's not my side and her side. It's all of us together. Mm. And she didn't like the fact that she couldn't get her eyes out of me. She called the police, said I was an intruder. All she would have had to done was ask me to leave. Um, so it really tore our family apart. You know, my father-in-law said he didn't want to be around my kids because he was afraid I would accuse them of something. Um, it was just, so I get it. I understand. I understand the pain. I understand not knowing where you're going to, how you're going to provide for groceries. I completely get that. But now coming out the other side, 11 years later, seeing how my kids are thriving, there's just no option. You absolutely have to reach out to absolutely anyone. Keep reaching out and try to find support out there for you to, to help with the groceries, to help with the rent, you know, reach out to domestic violence centers. There are so many resources out there, even in South Dakota, you cannot, cannot sweep this under the rug. Your kiddos need you to be that advocate cry, scream, do it in your bedroom when you're, when you're not around your kids. Absolutely. Get yourself in counseling because it is horribly painful, but you have to advocate for them and you, you have to. I just, I just would beg people. I mean, cause it's the effects if they don't are completely insurmountable. Have you been to therapy for this? Yes, absolutely. I am a therapist and I'm in therapy. <laughs> I always tell my clients, they're always surprised to hear that. And they're like, you go to a counselor? And I'm like, well, yeah. I said, if I'm sitting here telling you guys to take care of your mental health, but I'm not taking care of mine, what kind of hypocrite would I be? I actually see two counselors. I see a counselor counselor and then a biblical counselor. So I can see everything from a faith perspective. Absolutely. I love counseling. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay that's that's good to know actually because a lot of people think like yes i'm already counseling other people so i'm already healed or like i'm i'm full so i don't need to like fill my vessel anymore i'm, I'm good with that no you know we kind of go we'll do really good we'll get to where you know what 
I'm handling fine. I have great coping skills. Everything is good. I don't need counseling. And my kids and I are the same way. Um, but then one thing that I have found, and this is super important, it kind of goes back to that last question you had, is one misconception about child sexual assault is once the abuse ends, the kid is fine. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. I never realized that people thought that until one of my best friends, I, I mean, it was three years ago, I said, hey, we're gonna, you know, can you watch my dog or let it out for the day or something? The kids and I are driving four hours to go to counseling, we'll be back tonight. And she's like, gosh, I didn't know you guys still had to do that. And I'm like, what do you mean you didn't know? And she's like, well, I kind of thought that they were all better now. And I'm like, that's not how this works. <laughs> I'm like, this is a, a lifelong thing. And so anyway, that's something I always tell people is like, no, you have to revisit counseling as your life changes. Like maybe you'll get into a relationship or your kids will get into a relationship and all of a sudden all these feelings come up again. Um, for me, this year I had to start counseling again and I got on a low dose antidepressant because my anxiety was crazy um, because what had happened and one thing we'll mention uh, when we talk about ACEs is your body remembers anniversaries really well. Mm. Even if you're not sitting there thinking, okay, June 8th was my birthday. That was the day my kids were molested. I think I should freak out for two weeks before that. Like that's not how we work, <laughs> right? No one does that. But if you talk to anyone who's experienced a major event in their life, when do they start kind of freaking out on the inside? It's always when that anniversary starts coming up again. Mm. So this year, my life has been amazing. I have been doing very well. I've reached calmness and serenity and I'm doing fantastic. Middle of May hits and I start becoming a basket case. And I'm like, what is going on right now? I keep plugging along, I keep plugging along. I have a lot of trauma that happens middle of May to middle of June. Mm -hmm. Well, I have two panic attacks. One that lasted 45 minutes. Like I said, I'm a counselor. I know how to stop a panic attack. Hmm. It was not stopping. I, I said, I can't live like this anymore. I called two counselors. I set up appointments and I'm sitting there talking to one of them one day and getting to know her because it was just a new counselor. And she's like, tell me about this and this and this. And as I'm talking, it hits me I'm like, duh, this is the same time of year that I lost my baby, that I lost my dad, that my kids were molested. That's what's going on, you know? So once, I mean, yes, I am 100% for mental health and counseling and meds if you need them and whatever you need to be working, mm -hmm. you know, to be functioning. Absolutely. And it's going to have to continue for a long time. And that's okay. Yep. Mental health is no different than having a cold. The child protection services. Hmm. Um, so we wanted to train our law enforcement officers. We wanted to make sure that there is a regional multidisciplinary team unit that could go out there and take care of what they needed to do and coordinate with the nearest child advocacy centers. By now in South Dakota, we have three of them. So we're making progress. Nice. <laughs> it was 
child advocacy letters, so much better. Mm. Um, one thing that was very important to us is we actually wanted to create a multidisciplinary center. And so one of our amazing advisory board members who is also part of the task force, Cam Corey, he started uh, our pilot program in Watertown. So why this is important is because many kids would disclose. So they've already told their story once. Yep. And then they'd be interviewed by someone. So they told their story again. Okay. And then they'd have to go to another group of professionals, uh, maybe a doctor, maybe a counselor. Then they tell their story three, maybe four times. Then maybe they have to go to court. And then they're telling their story again. So you have so many times that this poor kid who was having to relive out loud already what he's went through, right? So our multidisciplinary center is pretty unique because that kiddo tells its story one time, mm. questioned by a trained child forensic interviewer. Mm -hmm. Through closed circuit TV, you have all the rest of the professionals that need to have that story, law enforcement, your attorney, mm -hmm you know, anyone else, medical professional, sitting in the next room, viewing the testimony, getting all the information they need to receive justice. Absolutely groundbreaking nice. for us in South Dakota. Not only that, but while the child is there, gets a full medical write-up, full checkup. Um, because a lot of these kiddos, unfortunately, maybe are coming from a place that they don't receive the best medical care, you know, it happens. So this way we can surround that family with all the resources that they need. So they're not one of those people that slips through the cracks. So yeah. that's so exciting. Eventually we want to have four in our state. So no child is more than two hours away. Um, since opening, they have, see, they've been open about two years now. Hmm. They have had not one empty slot as far as people coming in and needing their services. That is how underserved our state is. So it's so exciting that we have this now and we cannot wait to get the rest of our programs going. So that's huge. Um, another thing we noticed is we really spent time looking at other states that have kind of, we'll call them a mock house. So basically our professionals get boots on the ground in the trenches training um, where you have basically a house set up. Mm. So, and then you have a scenario and you have actors who, you know, even kiddos who are pretending that they have been sexually abused. So our professionals can actually learn mm. how to do things. Mm. So exciting. We don't have that yet. We're really hoping that it'll be soon though. Um, let's see here. We rolled out we kind of launched a program to educate the judicial system. Mm -hmm. So we could really look at how kiddos are having to go through the court process. Um, it's pretty terrifying to have that kiddo sit and have to face their abuser yeah. and say, that's the person that molested me, right? So we're kind of looking at what we can do about that. That's still in the works. Um, yeah going to be a while for that one um so that was part of that um whole response all right so goal e kind of back to that public education thing um the enough abuse campaign for south dakota 
is available to absolutely anyone who wants it. You don't have to be at a school. You don't have to be in a youth serving organization. You can be, hey, I'm Aunt Mildred and I want all my sisters and brothers to take this course. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it can be anyone. All they have to do is contact the Children's Home Society or the Center for Prevention of Child Maltreatment and we'll get your training signed up. It's free. Why mm. not? Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. And we'll talk more about that in another episode. Um, the other big thing that we brought to our state was adverse childhood experiences and resilience training. Um, so as you had mentioned in my introduction, I am a, an ACES trainer. Mm -hmm. And to date, we have trained about 14,000 people in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. So that is extremely exciting. Um, that is another free training that Children Home Society and the center offers. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are, we've also trained many people to be presenters. So they're kind of below the trainers on a tier, you know? And yeah, we come into your community, um, absolutely anywhere. Again, it could be your business. It could be your community. It could be your school. It could be anything. Um, and we train on how childhood trauma hmm. impacts children, but also impacts us as adults. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about that when we get into that a little bit. But so many times people goes back to that when the trauma ends, it doesn't just end. Yes. It affects us for the rest of our life. And so that's super beneficial in helping communities understand how important it is to make sure we're reaching out to the people around us. Um, and kind of, you know, we kind of tend to get so in our own world and tunnel visioned because we have our smartphones and we connect that way. And, you know, we have technology to, to connect this way, but what's happening to the people next door? You know, how can we make a difference to the people around us who aren't necessarily in our circle? Yep. You know, bringing that community sense back. So that's something that ACES is so beautiful um, about is that it really brings that sense of community back. Hmm. Um, it's also how I got my job at the prison. So I really love ACES. <laughs> I was asked to do an ACEs presentation at the prison uh, to the, the higher staff, and I definitely helped me get a job there. I mean, that was great. So <laughs> yay for ACEs. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was one big, another big piece of the picture for public education is getting that information out there. Um, another part was, you know, getting our website going, which mm. the center did. Um, just making sure that there was all that prevention and all that response kind of hand in hand for communities, just making sure that everyone knew where to get that information out. Mm -hmm. um, and COVID hasn't stopped that. I mean, yeah, we are limited as far as we can't get together in a big building and have a giant conference. Um, but so what they have done, the center and CHS, they have started doing Zoom trainings. I mean, thank God for technology. And so we are still getting that information out there. Um, we're just, we're not stopping. Like we know, yeah, 14,000, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. But there's still a lot of people left in South Dakota. Let's get everyone trained. <laughs> and then I think the last, the last goal is basically just the entire infrastructure. 
So just to establish that Center for Prevention of Child Maltreatment um, under the umbrella at the University of South Dakota. We're not necessarily part of the university, but they said, hey, we believe in what you're doing. We have the building, here you go. Um, so they have just been a huge part of supporting our work. Uh, and like I said earlier, when I talked about that education, all the universities in South Dakota want to have this training because it's part of that Board of Regents goal, right? So that's one thing that the infrastructure is just kind of went over, you know, establishing that external advisory board, um, establishing these strategies so we can really work with and reach out to South Dakota tribal ground. Like we want to make sure that we're taking care of everyone in our state. I mean, that's a huge part of what we're doing. It doesn't matter who you are. We want to help. Yeah. Um, Looking at evaluations, you know, identifying potential private and corporate funding sources, uh, because this is all, it's all through funding. I mean, we have to reach out to agencies out there. We have to apply for grants and all those things like that. So just being able to keep that going. So those are kind of all the goals of the center. And those are the things that we knew that we had to do in South Dakota to see those changes made. We know it's gonna take a long time. This was a 10 year plan. Uh, we are, I can't math, 14, 15, 16. So we're about three, four years into that 10 year plan. We still got a lot of work to do. But what I would love to see is other states and other people in other states who want to do something, kind of look at what we're doing and make it fit your state, yes. you know? I just wrote letters. <laughs> I just was incredibly obnoxious. I was that pit bull who refused to let go, you know, and that's what I want people to be able to do, you know, hit me up on email. I mean, I'm okay with my email going into the show notes, you know, get a hold of me, say, hey, how do I do this? I am very busy, but I will help you as much as absolutely possible because I think that there are a lot of states that need this help. And I look at my kids. And I'm just so glad that I did something. I mean, they're both doing really well. They're 19 and 16 now. Um, I have two more little boys, as you mentioned in my intro, that are 10 and five. Um, and I'm so proud of, you know, just where they're at. You know, they, they've came a long ways. We've had a lot of rough patches, forgiveness, was a huge thing for us. Um, not because the perpetrator necessarily deserved it. I mean, that's on him, but because we deserved it. Yes. You know, we had to let go of that pain and that anger and that hurt. And we just had to let go of it. And so forgiving him and just knowing that he's a very damaged person, I mean, that was a big. A big thing for us and I see how my kids are today and my oldest is trying to get into the military he wants to serve his country um he actually had been in the marines was within two days of graduating basic training when he fractured his femur and was discharged <laughs> so that kind of set him on a little bit of a stumbling block but you know, one thing about my boys is they have understood resilience and they have that grit to keep going. 
Yeah. Um, so now he's working to get in the Air Force. He's actually meeting with recruiter tomorrow to get through uh, all the tests to make sure that he can be it. You know, my 16 year old wants to kind of follow in brother's footsteps. He's looking at, he's talking to recruiters too. You know, they have this strong desire to serve others. They've had kids in our little tiny town that we had one girl that experienced something kind of similar. She was 16 and she was groomed by a man in his forties. And my boys reached out and said, Hey, I know no one understands it or seems like they understand it, but we understand it. If you need to talk, we're here. Wow. You know, I, I just, I'm so proud of them. And I, if I had ignored it, if I had pushed it under the rug, it wouldn't have turned out like this. Um, we dealt with self-harm. Um, we dealt with eating disorders. We dealt with extreme anger. And, you know, they could have went down very different paths. Neither one of them used substances, um, which I'll talk more about that when we get into ACEs. <laughs> but I don't know. I didn't always get it right, but that's, I want people to know that there is, there is life after your kids go through this. There is life after you go through this, you know, I still will get random phone calls from some 72 year old person and says, Hey, I never told anyone about this when I was 16, but this happened to me. Um, thank you for doing what you do. You know, that's the stuff that keeps me going. I think as parents, we tend to, you know, we get lost in that daily, you know, cooking yep. meals, getting them to school right now, homeschooling, um, you know, running errands and taking them to sports practices and changing another dirty diaper for the hundredth time today, or changing your shirt because there's spit up on it. You know, I think we tend to get lost in that, that daily life, you know, and it, it took my family going through this to realize how important our children are. And, and even if, even if someone doesn't have a child, they have child, they have children in their life, whether it's nieces or nephews or that neighbor kiddo that comes over and is constantly asking for an ice cream cone, you know, there are children in our lives. And I look at this journey that we've been on for the last 11 years. And like, it makes me choke up because if we are not doing everything we can to create the best environment possible in this crazy world that we live in for our, for our kids, yep. what's our future going to look like? So and I just, I tell people all the time, like what you are doing for children and for the next generation is is everything yeah nothing else matters you know what kind of car we drive what kind of clothes we wear um you know none of that matters it's what our environment is for our children you know still, yeah it's so focused on the outside look of everything but nobody wants to understand what is their mental capacity or like what is going on in their mindset yeah it's i mean kiddos are amazing and they're resilient thankfully. I mean, they just, they, re they can recover from so much, but they need to have that help. They need to have that guidance. They need to have that love and that nourishment 
And, you know, Lady Gaga talks all the time about that one person that believes in you, you know? So be that one person. And I mean, I look at the work I do at the prison, some of these ladies, and we'll talk more about that too, but some of these ladies have never had anyone say to them, I am so proud of you. I believe in you. I mean, it's just like, oh, I just believe in that child. Yeah. It's the best thing you can do. Least thing you can do, actually. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that is the least thing you can do. You don't have to be the therapist to help them or like, any of it just just be there for them yeah you don't have to have all the answers yeah. <laughs> i don't think anybody has answers for this oh my gosh no yeah. i my oldest is 19 and my youngest is five and i still mess up all the time <laughs> <laughs> every time i think i have this figured out and then one of them does something and i'm like oh never mind <laughs> We always hear moms are fearless when it comes to their kids. We know these are not just words because of people like Mary. That being said, I decided to provide her resources in upcoming episodes. Okay, thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smetha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.